Felicia from the moment Mike is my you princess. hear his voice, you know that it will be problems. Joey Coco Diaz has been working comedy stages for 90s, 15 years. With her tongue in cheek, exploring some topics of the dynamics of the male-female relationships, or as we call them here in the studio, dirty thoughts, and the proliferation of the sensual feminist. She's a little firecracker rolled up, and that's why I love her, and that's why you're going to love listening. So tune in, all right? Joey, I noticed when you sat again on the couch, I know, like, a fucking like when your ass is an inch from the foam, you fucking are like, oh, you know oh what I, I mean? Let me tell you it's, it's complete control till the foam is actually meeting both You have no cheese. idea. I went to fucking yoga last night, and she had us do a thousand fucking chair poses. Do you understand me? So right now, I had a hard time taking a shit this morning. That's how bad my thighs hurt. She made us do uh, uh, Yama's tattoos when you fucking do the, the thing, the plank, and then go into a warrior one. It was fucking killing me, but I caught up with it and I did it. And I'm here, but I'm sorry. I'm just sore today. So, and then I went today, so yeah. I'm sorry. I'm trying to yeah. really work on my way. How are you, beautiful? I'm good. I went to the gym this morning. That's right. We both I, went I to the fucking gym. I've been trying to be for the last month and a half. Uh, going to the gym as much as possible and by the way uh, the ickiest feeling I'm having today is I broke up with the activity partner but the best feeling was like I'm so glad a month and a half ago I trotted my flabby little ass to the gym because it's you look you look very nice you look tight your ass filled up you have a yeah. gap between your legs. You gain like three pounds on the pussy again. It's just not a noodle. Dude, it's, when you lose weight from your pussy, yeah, it's, it's bad. Not it's bad. It's not That's good. When the pussy you know, is all like, you know, it's skinny flax, and shit. Not good. When not the noodles good. are bigger than the piece above it, your pussy <laughs> lost some weight. I know. And it's hard to put weight back on your pussy. Yeah, weight. everything you did loses weight. I will be the pers- the spokesperson for the danger of pussy weight loss. Uh, <laughs> and fat pussies are so fucking ugly sometimes. Like when really? It, when it I gets, would think fat pussies, you would just want to like stick your head well, in Well, the it, noodle you know? looks like it's about to blow. Between the fat around it and uh-huh. the little noodle, it looks like it's going to bust. So that's why. But a, a pussy that's thin. But I could tell that you had no pussy left. It was just a little hole <laughs> some hairs and shit. I could tell with the it jeans. Was, because I always look at a girl's good. monkey, you know, just to yeah. make sure. But now you're back. You got a gap between no. your legs again. The, the noodle's the healthy. The World Food Organization was about sure, to protest sure, my skinny pussy. Because when the noodle's yeah. weak, you can see it looks like it's about to cough, don't it? Like the pussy looks like it's going <laughs> to cough. But I guarantee if you look at your pussy in the mirror today, it looks healthy again. The noodles are pink. It's got color to it. You know what I'm saying? Look at Felicia looking at me like, <laughs> well, what the fuck are you talking thing. about? Even as a young woman, when I would occasionally peer at my pussy, I would think pussies are really ugly. Pussies are really ugly. They're like the Steve Buscemi of the body. You know what I mean? You know, I mean that in a sweet way. I mean, you still kind of like them and you always want to visit them. You know what it is, you know? You gained weight and you're healthy and you're going back to the gym. And it's really important yes. that, you know, after your surgery, you went back and you've been sticking to it and you've been eating. Oh, and yeah, you've been, yeah, uh, yeah. I can see lately you're out, you're getting sun, so. Yeah, yeah. I'm fucking happy for good, you. you know but what I'm here's the thing that I don't like about going to the gym is. People that are on their cell phone on the elliptical. That drives me fucking crazy. Like, dude, I don't need to hear your shit. I don't need to hear you screaming at some poor guy on a Sunday morning over fucking Hello Kitty merchandise that got damaged on the this way is to Valencia. What, this is what the gym is about, and this is what the gym is about for me. You know, uh, you always read, like, all this shit about getting healthy, you know, when you get after 40, when it's too late, you're like... Uh-huh. And like last night, I was reading about yoga for men, and they were saying that the most important thing is that, you know, you breathe and it lowers all these cortisol levels, and that's all great and dandy. But going to the gym is an hour to yourself, or an hour and a half to yourself. It's a gift that you give yourself. 
You know, instead of buying yourself a shirt or spending stupid money or going to Vegas or your fucking jerk off buddies, this is the time for you to, I mean, when you go to the gym, Felicia, you think about your life. You got music on on your headphones, but you're thinking about your life and you're digesting it as you're breathing. While you're breathing, the bad shit's going out of your body, the shit that you're stuck with, the activity partner, this, that, Joey, who's not coming over? You breathe it out and that new air comes into you. And that's what working out is for me. That's why when I go to the gym, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter. I don't give a fuck what you do. As long as you go. I don't care if you go there and sit and read the paper, but it's your mind for an hour. Why would you bring your stupid mm -hmm. fucking phone in there? Right. Why would you bring no, your stupid fucking annoying. phone yeah. into the gym? Yeah. And it's annoying to people like us because yeah. I feel bad for you in a way when I see you with your phone. I went to the gym a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, like if you can't yeah, I feel get bad off for your you. phone at the gym, I feel you bad for stop. you. You're you a fucking stop. loser. I feel yeah. bad for you. Yeah. Take the phone, leave it in your car. I love my phone. And I leave it in the car because it's an hour that I tell the world, fuck you. And when I come out of that half hour and a half later, I'm excited to get on the phone and see who called and get my day started. Yeah, Let's do this. Yeah. But that, that hour at the gym, listen, man, the gym, is it, it helps your mind just as much as your body if you let it because it lets you look at it and prepare a plan. Yeah. It makes you prepare a fucking plan, Felicia. While you're there, you're thinking about a plan. Tomorrow I got to go to the airport at 6. <gasps> Maybe the weed store opens at 5.30. You, know, you just yeah, think of a yeah. fucking plan. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm just making stuff up here. But that's what the gym is for. So when I see someone, that's a great point you brought up. Because last week I went to the gym the whole time. Listen, the whole time I was hitting the bag for 30 minutes, there was a guy on the phone behind me. And I felt like saying something to him. Me, I would say something to him. I'm like, you would have done yourself a lot better if you just went to Starbucks. But it's got nothing to do with me. I'm there to make me happy. Mm -hmm. So fuck these people with their phones. Fuck them. In two months, they won't even be there anymore because they don't respect themselves that much anyway. Right, yeah. Do you know? But I'm, thank God you brought that up because there was a time, like like a couple weeks ago, I was with Eddie Bravo when he was taking, we were take, doing videos and he was posting them on Twitter. And my wife goes, well, you could do it with your phone. Guess what? I don't want to do it. When I'm out of the house, I don't want to deal with my fucking computer or my fucking Twitter or yeah, my fucking Facebook. Yeah, when I'm yeah. out, I'm living life. It's yeah. a gorgeous no, it's day true, today. It's true. You know, it's true. I love right now we're taping these things for Beauty and the Beast and we're taping things for Mad Flavor yeah, World. Yeah. And people come up to me and say, hey, you didn't tape that. You know what? I want to enjoy this. When I go to yoga, I try to fuck around with the camera and I'm trying to pose and fuck around for the camera. That's not what yoga is about. Right, right. Yoga is for me. So, yeah, I like to show people into my world. But this is about you. You look very beautiful today. You're back. Oh, I am back. Thank you You know, you had much. a... Let me tell you what happens, Felicia, and you know this is what happens. Sometimes in life, it could be your ex-husband. It could be a school thing. It could be something from the past. It goes into you, and, and it sits inside of you. And guess what? Even though it's a problem to do with your lunchboxes, it carries over into every area of your life. It mm -hmm. really bleeds a little over. You'll see it when you're making decisions, when you yell at your kids, but it has to do with that situation that you're unhappy with, and it bleeds over. And, and, and I like the activity partner, but I could tell that it was messing with who you were in your yes. inside. Yes. And three days later, I haven't seen you since Friday, uh -huh. you look like you lost five years. Oh, really? Yeah, you, oh, I don't know if it was yeah. the gym today, I don't know if it was straightening out your hair, but I can see the stress wow. isn't in your face no more. Wow. Sometimes you have to look at things like that. That's yeah. it. And you'll see, not now. And by the way, the best cure-all, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I'm this way. I am kind of a shitty little person myself because uh, as soon as I made my decision and wrote my little email because he wasn't communicating, I was like, and I'm back on internet dating. And people always say internet dating is a bad thing, but there is nothing better than going on and putting up your profile, the one you didn't really delete, <laughs> and then getting 100 responses when, you know, 
Did you check to see if he put his profile up too? Of course, like 150 times. Yeah, of course. Whole, I know there's a whole trickery thing. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a you whole trickery I mean? thing. Like, hey, yeah, a, it is what Can it you is. imagine? I want you to think of what you said to me. You told me that you fucking wrote the email to walk the plank. Remember, that's how much times have changed. People email you now to break up with you. What about having to come and knock on my door and saying, listen, you stiff dick motherfucker. <laughs> it's over, you fucking little pencil dick bitch. Because then you look like some crazy bitch, like Francis Farmer, but like think going about on a that. bender. It's think good that there's that email. That there's Otherwise, email. there'd be never, more ass-kicking going on. I can never email somebody that I want to see him no more. I, I don't know why. It's just so fucking crazy where we've gone. Yeah. We're back, bitches! Beauty and the Beast. Felicia Michaels. Joey Diaz, you're you my friend. You know what? You really are my friend, Joey. I don't fuck around, really though. Uh, yeah. You know, when I was growing up and my parents died and I had these people that came to my help and I really found out what a friend was. And people always think that a friend is somebody who gives you money or takes you out to clubs. And guy, it's the last person you fucking, you fucking expect. And the beauty about being a friend or having a friend is you could only have a friend if you know how to be a friend. People always say, well, Felicia never calls me to go out to the movies. Or, I'm just saying. Right. But, people, but when was the last time you picked up the phone? Yes, and, and, that's you know, a really good point. And it's yeah. not about Felicia. With me, bro, it's not about your fucking money. It's not about your cooking. It's not about anything. All I want from people in my life is one thing, is to call me once a week and say, dog, what's going on? I don't even care if you're not listening. I don't even care if you're in the car driving and you're thinking about eating pussy. It doesn't make a difference to me. That is what a friend does. We check up on our people to make sure that our people are all right. It's not about money. It's not about, you know, oh boy, I took him to friend. No, dog. A little thing means more to me than anything in the world. Like a hello. What's going on in your world? What's happening? And you know how I am. I call you. I ask you what's going on. I start yelling at you in the conversation. But you get off the phone. You're like, that motherfucker just yelled at me. But what am I going to do? The fucker loves me. The fucker <laughs> loves me. What, what am I going to do? I don't play with my friends. My, yeah. You know, you can have money and you can lose it. You can have fame and you can lose it. You can have so many things in this world. You can lose. You can be a millionaire on the stock exchange and lose it all. But if you're really a good friend to people, you'll never, ever, ever lose your friends. Yeah. I don't care how poor you are. How If you're a real friend and people know it in their heart, you know what, dog? This motherfucker's crazy. I don't like him around me. But I'll tell you what, when the shit goes down, Joe Diaz is the first guy I'm going to call because he's going to show up with a bat and a fucking gun and, and he don't give a fuck. And that's what a friend's about. Somebody who doesn't give a fuck about what's going on, they're there for you. And, and that's the most important thing in life. You can lose everything in your life. You'll never lose your friends if you're a good friend. If you're a good friend and people know where your fucking heart comes from, you'll never lose that, Felicia. So thank that you for the compliment. That is very true. Thank you for the compliment. Um, you have great friends. You're a great friend. I can you. see it. Oh, thank of, you. 60% of the reason why I love you so much is because you're friends. You could tell a lot by a person, by their friends and who they hang out with. And sometimes you might go to somebody's house and see somebody with a missing eyeball and go, who the fuck is this circus freak? And, and in your head, you know, but it's a friend of Felicia's or it's a friend of Greg's or Jeff's. And you shake the hand after that person leaves. The person looks at you and says, Doug, remember a couple of years ago when I lost my wife? I lost everything. That guy put me in his house and gave me money to survive. So I got to love him automatically.
because he fucking bailed you out and you're my friend. And that's what makes this whole fucking circle. I love your friends, Wendy. and You know, I love your girlfriends. I like coming over here. They're, they're not like they're anything else in L.A. Yeah, they're, they're not like right or wrong. They're not like anything else in L.A. When I come to your little yeah. parties, there's no pretentious shit here. There's, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. that's why I really like you. And I, like I can it. see that. I know how much you love your friend Wendy. I know how much you care about your other friend that's not yes. doing well. So, but Wendy and I, we guess we, she came to see me <laughs> Sunday. I was at the comedy store, right? And she Wendy, came. Wendy? Wendy. Oh, yeah, Wendy. you had at the comedy store? I was at the comedy oh. store in the belly room, right? So, uh, so she comes and uh, helps me in my sad parade of a life. So, uh, and then afterwards, we were really hungry. So, we were, we're, I was like, let's go to Dantana's. I really want to eat like a... It's my girl. I know. I was like, I really want to have a great pasta dinner so we go to Dantana's and we decide we're going to eat at the bar and uh, there's these two guys and these two guys are kind of like all over us in an in a uh, they're our age kind of guys but you know and uh, and then one of them is like becomes like out of the blue like this staunch Republican and Rush Limbaugh and and you know and it's like dude what's really like and it was so funny because the other guy was so hitting on Wendy and trying to be all over that and and the other guy, and this guy was totally cock blocking his friend and I was like why would you cock block your friend you know what I mean like why would you do that over ideals welcome to LA I know. these fucking guys are the dumbest guys they couldn't pick up pussy if their fucking life depended on it because they don't even talk about the right shit. They want to impress you with the Republican. Just look at the girl and say, look, I got nothing. I'm a loser. I got no job. I got no 401k, but I got an eight-inch dick, and I will lick that little gained weight little pussy of yours till it fucking blows. You understand me? And then you'll look at them and say, you're a fucking pig, but that'll stay in your head for the rest yeah, of the night. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Guys, just tell these little... They always got to start talking about stupidity and I have a boat and you got none. But then when they take you home, you got a two-inch dick and if they pay you a dollar, if they, if they give you $10, you got to hear about it for the rest of your fucking life. All the woman wants to hear is the essential. All right? Listen, I'm going to suck your fucking twat. I'm going to lick your asshole and I'm going to drive you to the train. I'll call you later. <laughs> and I'll email it's you. True. I'll yeah. email you with a yeah. little heart and whatever. Yeah. It's so <laughs> fucking weird that even when a girl wants simple. to go out and yeah. get a stabbing, yeah. guys will talk themselves out of pussy. Will talk they'll have me, I don't I've never had the balls to go up to a woman and talk to them at a bar. It just it oh, seems really? beyond really? me unless they talk to me and we uh -huh. have a conversation going. But if you're gonna go up to the bar, you're gonna sweep her off her feet. You're not gonna show up at a gunfight with a fucking knife. Well, I work at a computer store and what the fuck are you talking about, guy? <laughs> go for broke. You know what I'm saying? You're here by yourself, them titties are banging. And you tell a woman that, she'll look at you and say, you know what, I'm not impressed by you. But at the end of the night, after she has a couple cocktails, she's going to summarize all the idiots that she had conversations with. And you're the one that rocked her world because you told her exactly what the bottom line was. Mm -hmm. What's the bottom line? What's the square root of us getting together? Well, you just can't teach a thing like that. You either you can swing it or you can't swing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I learned from good people, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's amazing when you tell a woman, listen, I'm going to suck your fucking twat tonight. You understand me? How they look at you like, <gasps> and then they're like... It's like a Friday the 13th movie, but once it gets into their fucking Librium, yeah. then it's home free from the <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> As you know, Felicia, I'm trying to write a book. And, and I'm, talk <laughs> but right. I'm trying to write a book about, about life, about my life, and it's weird how we all, everybody you talk to has, oh, and we all, you know, nobody's perfect. They always have something to say about their parents, you know, like, and in my situation, it was my stepdad, you know, after my mom died, we went at it with the money for the house, and I expected this, and I expected that, but I got pissed when he didn't give it to me, and then after I went to Colorado and went to prison, 
I guess the fucking the anger had gone out of my heart, and I started to accept him for what he was. And we weren't tight my last ten years while he was on this planet, but we talked, and he knew I loved him, and and with everything that had gone on between us, I knew he loved me, and he always wanted the best for me. But even our, my problem in life started way before my mother died. You know, it started way before, and it started with him. You know, when you live with your mother and a, and a man moves in and is a stepdad, it's a, it becomes a little challenge. It really does between the men and this guy that's fucking moving in. Nobody wants anybody but my dad fucking your mom. You accept that kids don't think about it. You know, you're too young, but it's just the way it is. And there's this little subtle rivalry that develops between the boys. It's just a subtle rivalry developed between me and my dad. And after a while, after everything's it, they try to expose you to your mother. You know, that's what they—that's what a stepdad does, exposes right. you, you know. Mm-hmm. And with me, he would tell my mom, listen, you better watch this motherfucker. This guy ain't the sweetheart you think he is. <laughs> this guy's got potential for fucking to make it happen, yeah. you know. So I always knew that he would tell my mother little things, like he would drive by and slow down by the park and see me playing hoops, and he would get mad at me, like, you didn't mow the lawn, but you have time to play hoops, and blah, blah, you know, shit like that. But he kind of exposed me, so my way to lash back at him was to steal money from him. Uh-huh. You know, from the time I was in the fucking fifth grade, I would just, you know, there was money all over my house, Felicia. He had money in his pockets. Did you get caught a lot? Did, did No. Yeah. No. He had an idea. Right. He would have an idea. But you never got caught. By my stepfather. Yeah. No. Did you get caught by your mother? She had an idea. I didn't clip from my mom. My whole war was with my stepdad. And so would he stomp around and say... Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Got, so yeah. he would... He had money in the closet downstairs, about $50,000. Then he had cash in his pocket at all times. Then he had money under the fucking bar downstairs. He had money in the trunk of his car that he wouldn't drive in a garage. He had money under the bureau in stacks with rubber bands. But he would pull his hair out and put the hair under the rubber band and all this shit. He was just a very keen guy. He knew how to hide things, and especially after he found out somebody was clipping him, which was me. And I wouldn't just clip him, Felicia. I was a kid. So he would put his money, like let's say in $1,000 stacks under one rubber band. He would have $10,000, but he would count a 1,000, fold it. I would go down and take a 1,000 at the age of 12. Like I'd just go clip a 1,000. What did you do with the thousand dollars at the I'd age of twelve? I'd buy dinners for my friend. We go to fucking top restaurants. I'd go into the city and eat. I gamble. I'd go to the track. I'd buy bicycles. When you were twelve? I'd buy bicycles, and they didn't know I would hide shit at my friends' houses. So let's say I bought a bicycle. I'd come here and give it to your son and say, "Keep the bike here. Don't ride it when you want. Just don't let nobody know it's my bike." Let's say, oh, let's shit. say I went and bought a, let's say I went and bought a, let's say I went and bought, a, I was very generous when I was a kid because uh-huh. I knew this was a score. Right. Even at that age, I know it's a score. I got to take care of my buddies. So I would steal money from my dad and like take them to restaurants or to get cheeseburger. I swear to God, I would take my friends to buy clothes, whatever. And I just, that's the way my mother raised me. When you have money, you fucking, you know, you spread it around. You like the Pied Piper. I learned that from my mother. So I would burn through this fucking money. I would burned through this money. People always said, this motherfucker got money. I would pay for movie theaters. I would lend money out to my friends. I didn't care. I didn't work for the money. I had no work ethic, you know? I did work for my mother. <clears throat> he had this jar that he dedicated his life to San Lazaro. And he had this jar. I mean, a bottle of Chivas Regal. Mm-hmm. The big, 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 right. big bottles yeah. that was filled with silver dollars and $100 bills that he would just stick in there. $100 bills as a donation to the church at the house. 
And then when they would fill up, he'd take it all and throw like a party or something in that saint's name. Uh-huh. Get a bunch of animals, kill them, and cook it for the saint. I would take hundreds, three, four at a time when I was in the sixth grade, seventh grade. <laughs> it was terrible. He knew, and he would complain, and he'd set me up. And if I knew he was watching that particular bundle, I wouldn't hit it. I'd hit the bundle in the closet. You follow me? So he knew how to work <laughs> me, you know? But today I was reading, uh, today was the 34th anniversary of Elvis's death. Uh-huh. And uh, it was really weird because I remember Elvis's death, and not because of that, but it was because one of the days I robbed my stepfather for the biggest score I ever had. And at this time, me and him really didn't like each other. I was about 13 or 14 because I was always playing basketball. And him and my mother were pretty much over, except for the shouting. Like, he was still sticking around for God knows what. My mom had the bar, and he had his own thing, and he was a millionaire. And him and my mom were at this little war that he, my mom felt he should put money into her bookmaking bank, and he was like, fuck you, bitch. So it was almost over. So at this point, I was just trying to rob him all the time. But for some reason, we were getting along, and I had gone to a basketball camp that summer five-star, and I had another basketball camp I wanted to go to. It was called Superstar in Jersey City, New Jersey, and it was run by the coaches of St. Anthony's that the school is a powerhouse for basketball his sons that went on and played for Duke and they won the national championship. This is way before that. Those little boys that won the national championship were four and three when I was at that fucking camp. So what happened was I wanted to go to this camp. It was $140 to go to the camp for the week or $90 or something to go to the camp. And I needed 90 plus I needed a bus fare plus lunch money. I kind of asked my mother for it, but my mother was already, I had blown, remember I told you I hit the number? Uh-huh. So I had blown that money by this time. So I couldn't go to my mother for the camp money. If I would have gone for the camp money, she would have said, what'd you do with the $2,500? You fucking hit the number. What'd you do with that money? So I couldn't tell her. So I'm like, how am I going to get the money for Superstar Camp? And I'm sitting in front of my fucking house. And who do I see coming up to my house with my stepdad? And he hits the garage door open. He pulls up with the car. And he goes, what are you doing? And I go, nothing. I'm just out. He goes, you want to wash the car? And I'm like, oh, this is my chance to rob him. Because he's going to go upstairs and hang up his pants. You know, and then I could rob him. So <laughs> he went up, hung his pants, came back down with the bucket and everything. He goes, let's wash the car. And he goes, aren't you going to change? And I go, yeah. And as I went upstairs to change, I hit him. I go, this is the one I have to hit him. But he would walk into the garage to see if he would hear me walking into the room. I mean, it was fucking, he had it down. So I had to do it just right. So I would walk up, walk into my room, and I knew that he would walk in. And when he hit me in my room, he'd walk back out to the car. And then I'd run into his room. And that one time I went into the room, and this was one of the times I was, like one time he had his money tied up and so much with the rubber bands that as I was taking the money out, the rubber band broke, and all the hundreds went up in the air. And they're all floating. I'm trying to put the rubber bands together and shit. And I finally found the rubber band, and he came back down. He goes, this isn't my rubber band. He goes, I buy my rubber bands at one place. I mean, this is how slick this motherfucker. Yeah. Because not only was he watching me, he had a bank in New York, and then he had to leave money there. So he always didn't watch his workers. So he would say, I buy these rubber bands at a certain place. They're two inches and they're tight. This is a four-inch rubber band. This is how cool and tight this yeah. motherfucker yeah. was. So I remember going upstairs. I went, boom, and I banged them, and I got 400 cash. And I had to hide it somewhere else. Because he would, if he found that it was missing, he would come looking for it, and he'd find it. So I had to run downstairs and go out to the yard and hide under the swimming pool until he went upstairs and relaxed. And after we washed the car... Because he had a swimming pool and above-ground swimming pool? Out in the yard. So yeah. I would hide it behind the swimming pool. Uh-huh. And I went out, hi, right, Dad, you want me to help you wash the car? And I'm like, whew, it looks like I'm going to camp. So I helped him wash the car. He went upstairs. <laughs> he made a milkshake. And he never said anything about the 400. But that next Monday, I took a bus to Jersey City and went to the Superstar Basketball Camp. And that was the day Elvis died. Oh. So I'll never forget. You're like, yeah. where's the story going, Joey, with Elvis? No, I was totally waiting. And when I went to uh, that camp, you know, Elvis had died. And, and that's what made me think about it. But in the long, like, that's what I first thought of today. But at the other 
side of it, I also thought about how bad I felt that I had done that. How bad I felt that all those years I always accused him of exposing me when I had exposed myself and I just put the blame on him. You know, I wish that I could go back to that time period, I would be the best son that I could be to him because even as a stepfather, all he wanted from me was the best. Even though he was fucking nuts and, you know, he smacked people and all that shit, I gotta be honest with you, he always wanted the best from me. He was a solid, solid guy. But, you know, I blamed him for something that happened with me. When he realized he couldn't raise me how he wanted to, he lost interest. And who the fuck am I to do, be mad at him for that? That's the same thing I did with my daughter. When I realized I couldn't raise her like I wanted to because I had plans for my daughter. My daughter wasn't going to be like any other girl. My daughter wasn't going to fall for that shit. My daughter wasn't going to fuck till she was 20. You know what I'm saying? I was mm -hmm. going to train her to be a fucking killer. I was going to train my daughter to slice people up. She's going to be beautiful, but she was going to go on the service and shoot people. I was going to train my daughter to be a fucking killer and a lady. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, I had plans. <laughs> right. But when I realized I couldn't raise my daughter to the way I wanted to, I lost interest. It's probably like a natural thing. I just lost interest. You know, I only had my daughter 10 hours a week, and I couldn't really give her what I was about in those 10 yeah. hours. She was five or six. With me, he was trying to make me into a man. And dog, half the shit, half the principles I live by today yeah. are his principles. I wish he was still alive so I could tell him that most of the things I do today are based on the things he taught me. He was a no-nonsense type of guy. Yeah. That compliment you paid me a couple months ago about me taking things, and that was his gift that he gave to me as a man. He was a man, Felicia. And uh, he wanted things done like men. And I was too young, and I thought he was an idiot. And I wish I had the opportunity over to tell him I was sorry. And, uh, you know, my problem started way before my mother died. It started by stealing from him and lying to him. And I wish I had the chance to apologize to him today. That's it. Fuck Elvis. No, fuck, <laughs> fuck Elvis. Elvis. It's Elvis. I love. Fault. Let me tell you something. I, I love know, Elvis. But while you were telling you that I story, I just remember when the day Elvis Presley died, I was getting fingered underneath a bush next to the side of my mom's duplex. So you were fourteen. By this also. kid named Freddie, and his mother was a huge Elvis freak, and they lived in this trailer park next to our house. And I mean, she had Elvis shit all over. She was a freak about it. And uh, and then we both went home, and then uh, Elvis died, and then. And we were like, oh, my God, I can't believe on the day Elvis died that I was fingering you. That's terrible. You know what I mean? Like, Elvis would have wanted you. Elvis would have been fingering me, too. Who was he fucking kidding me? Fingering what I anyway. You know, it's funny because I remembered this morning. I knew it was August 16th or the 14th. Uh, yesterday, it was 22 years that I got sentenced to prison. So that was an anniversary yesterday, you know, 22 years ago. Yesterday was always stops me in my tracks how lucky I am. But today with the Elvis is so weird because, you know, I'm on to fucking 20 different types of music. But let me tell you something, man. When I first heard Elvis and I first seen Elvis, I thought my fucking head was going to blow up. As a matter of fact, I got to add him to the list of men that I would blow. Besides James really? Cole. Really? Listen, dog, in 1955, you were stupid if you didn't suck Elvis's dick. You were stupid if you didn't suck his dick. If you were anybody, look at the film. When I leave here today, if you listen to the podcast, please go on YouTube and look at this fucking killer in 1955. Just look at this killer, because that's what he was, people. He was a killer. Nobody had ever seen anything like that before. He was a killer. And then he smoothened out, and times evolved, but he was a killer in 55. And the best story I like about Elvis was when Led Zeppelin fucking went over to his house. He gave Bonham his watch, because he said that he was the biggest fan in the world. And he had John Bonham sign something for Lisa Marie, so Elvis was a bad motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? 
Let me ask you this. What part of Canada are you going to this weekend? I'm not going to Canada. I'm going to Minneapolis. <gasps> Minneapolis. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I kept thinking yeah. it was Canada. Yeah. You're going to have a fucking great time up there, yeah. downtown Minneapolis. No, at the Mall of the Americas. Though. Very nice. Uh, yes, I took over the old club that was yes, there. Yes, yes, yes. It's good Very though. nice. Yeah, yeah. Minneapolis is a nice time of the year this year. Minneapolis is, yeah, this is a great this time. This is a great year. time of the year. If, especially if you go up uh, to Mankato State where the Minnesota Vikings hold their motherfucking training camp in the summer and shit. Because uh, when I first moved to Colorado, I lived with a lot of guys from Mankato. They all lived. Oh, yeah. So I became really good friends with a lot of fucking guys from Mankato. They were crazy. I was telling you about. Uh, Milwaukee this last weekend. I uh-huh. want to give a big shout out to Milwaukee as a city. I uh, had been there a couple of years. Uh, I had been there in 98, 99, 2000. I never went back. And I went back this last weekend to the Paps Theater. And I got to tell you, listen, it's great, California. It's 85 degrees. I'm sweating. You know, we got medical marijuana, and that's great. We go to a store and buy it. But when you don't have medical marijuana, and I got 200 people on the street telling me and everybody else to go fuck themselves that they're going to smoke... It does something to my rebellious side. Yeah. It makes me fucking feel alive. You know what I'm saying? Right. And this weekend, Felicia, if you would have seen these crazy people in Milwaukee with their weed, you would have said, wow, this city is alive and kicking. And it makes me proud because anybody, New York is a great city. Hey, San Francisco is a great city. L.A. is a great city, whatever. But I've always been partial to those old school rustic cities. I don't know if you like them. Cleveland, Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. They just have this certain feel to them. And those cities have gone through hell in the last 20 years. Uh You know, big corporations have left and left them to lurch from Fisher Price and Buffalo to all these companies in Cleveland and whatnot. But these people still managed to keep their, their thing. And they just kept moving along. And some of them are working and some of them are not. But they don't give a shit. That's what America is about. And I like when I go to middle America. I really fucking do, Felicia. I like when I go to the South because I really, I forget how lucky we are. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. we live in California and we lived in New York for a while. We lived in Colorado, yeah. which is yeah. God's country. And you get lost out here. You know, uh, what was that movie that they uh, made a couple of years ago? Bump, Splash, something about people in L.A. that they don't have communication. Uh-huh. Remember with Matt Dillon, and it was like a the kid, the good-looking black kid from Hustle and Flow. They all made a movie, Crash. And oh, in the okay. beginning of yeah. Crash, they described that in the big cities, you move your life alone, just bumping into people. You never say hello. You don't look up. In these little cities, you know, it, it's it's like people look up. People have remembered how to fucking, you know, we're in bad shape right now as a country, and a lot of things are going bad, and a lot of things could go worse. But you wouldn't notice it in Wisconsin and Milwaukee where I went. These people were proud of what they had. I mean, all they had were the Green Bay fucking Packers and cheese, but they make the best of it. Mm-hmm. And it was just an honor to go up there. And I'm going back. I think I'm going to go play a club Jokers or something. I really like the people. So I want to start playing those little clubs a lot more oh, that yeah, I had forgotten yeah, about. Yeah. I want to go back to Iowa. I want to go back to yeah. St. Louis and Chicago. I want to go back to those places that are really the, the fucking guts of this fucking country. Oh, you know? absolutely. And we forget yeah. about that shit being out here in L.A. Oh, my God, the beaches. Or just drive, Fuck like, you, drive bitch. through yeah. Detroit. You know what I mean? It's, it's just changing your outlook, outlook. You and know, it's like, nice to wow. come back and go fuck it we're yeah. really lucky here that we've got jobs and we've got this and we've got that and, uh, and in detroit is such a beautiful you know there's there's so many cool things about it michigan's that, you know, a great michigan's fucking awesome. state Mich- michigan's awesome from fucking east Bamin to the top to all the way down to mishawaka and how about ann arbor ann arbor's Where cool there's as a great shit club there too, the every i mean club, all yeah. those little cities are yeah. so fucking sweet but the thing i like the most about detroit the thing i like the most about michigan of the fucking women as far as I'm concerned that's when we were invented 
They're dirty, just how I like them. They always got dirty feet and stringy hair, but well, I I'm, love them. I'm, I'm confused. I love them. I thought you were you. Uh, I love. I, I, I love. I love dirty white girls. I, I love thought them. you didn't like when people, girls had dirty feet. Only from Michigan. Oh, oh, really? Oh, to say they're from Michigan, I excuse it. You know what I'm saying? I Something think about there's beautiful women beautiful in Michigan. Beautiful women yeah, in Michigan. Yeah. Beautiful Seriously, women in Milwaukee. Beautiful women, yeah. beautiful women in the Midwest. But Michigan, there's something about them. They're dirty and they're crazy. And that's how I like them, with no conscience. Maybe it's just the women you're, <laughs> you've seen in Michigan. What Michigan I, I met? The woman I've kidnapped in the van and shit with the rope. I don't think so, Joe. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta just stop you right there, like really, dude. What? Did I kidnap women? <laughs> no, I'm um, just teasing right. you. But I really like all that. I really like going to the Midwest and all those. Uh, no, there's um, a lot of great cities. Even going to little cities like uh, my parents live outside Wichita. But when you go, to oh, you said that you really want. Like oh that, yeah, yeah, you yeah. see the architecture even in a little city and the downtown area, whether it's thriving, whether it you know it isn't or it is. It's all very interesting, you know, and especially we are so lucky as comedians, you know, like I've been in every major city except Portland and New Orleans, which I'm going to rectify in three weeks. But, uh, you know, you you see how many different cultures there are in our own country like that. It's it's astounding. You know what I mean? It's astounding. And it's it's a lucky thing that we get to, to see that, you know, even the, in the south, the cities in the south, like Savannah or Charleston. Have you ever been to Charleston? Yes, nice, South Carolina. Charleston, go drive to Charleston, cool. and you, it's like you know, nothing very you've cool. ever seen. Charleston's yeah. South Carolina is a great state. I also like Myrtle Beach, believe it or not. That's one of the best oceans. That little water, there, that beach there is one of the best beaches. It was warm as shit in April. I was in there. I could mm -hmm. see clearly. I would see no sharks. You know yeah, me, though. I'm yeah. fucking as scared of sharks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I went to Malibu. Well, you are Cuban. <laughs> oh, I went to Malibu twice, dog, and I fucking jumped in the water. And both times, I'm great until a leaf hits my fucking foot. You know, my stomach is still peeling right now from Malibu last week. Oh, really? Sure. I love I love the beach. I love all that stuff, but the, the water scares the fucking shit out of me. Yeah, understand? I don't like water either. Uh, before I... Uh, uh, broke up with the activity partner he, we went to palm springs and uh, and i was on the drive there i was like listen i gotta tell you i just it's not gonna look attractive when i'm around the water <laughs> you know what I mean? are you stiff i get all stiff i walk in the pool very stiffly oh you don't like the pool either you know i'm not a big i you know i'm not a big pool. i'm a pool guy i'm not I'm, a big pool and i'm an ocean guy i don't want to get my hair wet I it's love, too much sun where's my drink I love going in the ocean and just sitting on the beach and watching the ocean. Just watching oh, it. Oh, no, that is nice, though. Just watching it. I don't want people around me. I just want to watch it. Get stoned and just watch it. And you just keep seeing the water and the energy. And you start thinking about what the fuck is out there. And can you imagine being under that water and there's another civilization under there we don't fucking know about? And then you're like, stop. It's getting hot out here. I need a soda. And you snap out of your mind, fuck, and you, you know. Yeah. No, I like all that stuff, but it's great like when you do travel. And what used to piss me off is when people, and, I, and I'm very insecure about this, I shouldn't even say this, but I always hate it when people like try to brag on that they went internationally and they seen this and that. And I always want to look at them and say, when was the last time you went to Iowa? Go look at that and then come back to me about fucking Rome or whatever fucking mind fuck mm -hmm. you're trying to impress me with. You want to impress me? Tell me you spent a week in Kansas and it was fucking beautiful. 
Tell me that you Dance went there. Beautiful. beautiful, and you got something out of it. Fucking beautiful. That's what I want to hear. But no, I went to Kansas and it was flat and humid. You didn't get nothing out of it. You didn't talk to people. You didn't see their way of life. You didn't go to a flea market. In flea market, and appreciate. <laughs> My best friends live in Mississippi, and I go down there. I haven't been down there in ten years, but when I went down there, I was blown away. Who the what? New York again? Blown away in Mississippi? Fuck yeah! Just to go to Mississippi State and see the college and see oh, all yeah. these little towns. Yeah, really Absolutely. fucking cool. What this country has to offer, and it just kind of fucking pisses me the fuck off. We're back, bitches. Beauty and the Beast. What's going on, Felicia? Well, I just wanted to say uh, that you uh, are saying there's a lot of emails lately. And uh, and we appreciate your emails. Uh, I don't tend to answer them as much as you do because I know people want to talk to you a lot. I go through sometimes and read the stuff. But uh, if you would like to email Joey and email me, you can email us at beautyandthebeastpodcast at gmail.com. You and I outside, we're talking about our friend Doug Stanhope. And I've known Doug since 1991. I met him doing a broker gig, you know, for Tribble. Right. And he came the first year, and he was just a regular comic. Then he came the second year, and he had uh, done Evening at the Improv. And then he came again, and we, you know, we just kept in touch real lightly. And then I moved away, and I never heard from him. And then I was living in Seattle, and he hit the San Francisco Comedy Competition. He was very funny. Like you said, he had these 20 minutes that were fucking amazing. And what a lot of people don't know is that Doug was the one that talked me into moving to L.A. Oh, really? Doug came to Seattle and was like, Doug, they're looking for you right now in L.A. They're looking for comics like you. you got to come down there. You could stay with me. When I first moved to L.A., I stayed with Doug Stanhope. You in, did? In bunk beds in his house for two months. You did? Yes. In bunk beds? And he was dating a girl from head of the class. And, you know, he was rocking and rolling. And, uh... He was and she would come over and, and hang out in the bunk bed? No, nah, she would, you know, whatever. But it was really funny because he would, uh, he was just a different type of guy. And I would see him prepare for auditions and I would see him prepare. And he didn't really want to be bothered. And I couldn't figure him out. He just wanted to be a stand-up. And I couldn't understand that at that time. I had been here like a year and I would still hang out with him in the daytime. And, you know, that's why I told you the story. I used to play tennis with him and Mitch Hedberg. And then Mitch would come to my house and we'd go swimming. Those are all those times, but I always watched Doug Stanhope and I watched himself pull away from was, what was the status quo of what comics do. You start in Michigan or in New York or in Kentucky or wherever. You do six years, you come out here and you're going to be a star. He came out here and really didn't like the whole bullshit. He would go to the improv and do sets that were brilliant, talking about the people that were in the room at the time. He does not give a fuck. He would just go up there and say, you know, the improv, this place is mediocre. I mean, and then he got suspended and they'd throw him out for a week or two. But the kid wasn't lying. You know, a lot of people had problems with him. I was there a couple nights when he'd attack people on stage and it was the funniest fucking thing in the world. And he finally moved to Bisbee, Arizona. He took his crazy mother with him. She passed away. He bought a house down there. He lives with this crazy chick. And he decided that he went off on Dave Stroop in uh, St. Louis. And he controls or in Columbus. <clears throat> Something happened with Sean Rouse. And Sean Rouse got fired. And Doug Stanhope stuck up for him and said, you know what? Fuck the improvs and fuck Dave Stroop. Fuck his kid. I mean, he went off on him. So Dave, Dave Stroop turned around and said, fuck Doug Stanhope. He'll never work an improv or a funny bone again. And Doug Stanhope says, good, suck my dick. I'm going to do something better. And for two years, he believed in himself, and he started doing these rock clubs. $15 a night, $20 a night, these fucking holes. And all these people would come to see him, and they'd pack him in. And after two years, people started paying attention. And guess what, bitch? 
he got a booking out of the improv. In fact, the improv called him up and said, we'll give you 100% of the door just to have you run through our fucking clubs. Mm -hmm. And then Dave Strube, the cunt that he is in St. Louis, lifted his hand and went at the improvs and said, don't book him. This is a travesty. Wrote a letter. This is what's going on right now. They mm -hmm. all wrote letters against Doug Stanhope, and Doug Stanhope is still going to get booked. And then to top that shit off, last week I was getting ready to leave the house to go do a set at the Ha Ha, and Louie was on, and I watched a set of a stand-up that goes to New York to find Louie, and he insults Greg Rogel at the at the at the, at the comedy cellar, uh -huh. and he takes Louie with him, and they go buy a bottle of fucking vodka. It's Doug Stanhope. Mm -hmm. They wrote this for Doug, and he buys a bottle of vodka, and he drinks it at the liquor store, and he gets into an argument with the Puerto Rican guy, and it's about a comic who is doing his last two hundred dollar gig, then he's gonna kill himself. I'm gonna take the fun right out of it for you, and it really hits you because I could see a comic doing this. You know, comics have done this. Uh -huh. What the fuck are we talking uh -huh. about? And he was like, I'm just doing my last gig. And Louis tried to talk about his last gig. And I tell you what, it was one of the best Louis episodes I've seen. But I went inside and said, Doug Stanhope just made his career concrete tonight by that performance. Because as much as he didn't want success now, it's going to come looking for him. And, you know, man, it, it inspired me. And I think I told you the story last week about Dan Henderson of the UFC. He beat this guy up, and then he asked Dana White for more money, and Dana goes, you're not worth it. You're 30-something years old. In fact, I'm not even going to give you the money. I'm going to fire you. So he fired Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson went to strike force. He was feeling bad about himself. He lost a couple fights or a fight, and then he won two fights, and he got the, he became the champion. So they wanted to bust his balls. They said, well, we'll put you up against Fedor. This guy fights at 180. Fedor is a heavyweight. This motherfucker gained 20 pounds, went in there and beat the fuck out of Fedor, knocked him out. So now... What happens? So now all these public opinion polls started coming up, and they contacted Dana White and said, we want Dan Henderson back in the fucking UFC. You know, and I wasn't against Dan Henderson. I wasn't pro or con for him, but I think we learned a lesson that if you believe in yourself, no matter how, what road you take, you do it your way, like Sinatra said. And if you're right, and if you keep your heart pure, and you keep working at things, nobody could get in your fucking way ever, Felicia. All these people that say you will never work in this town again, let me tell you something, talent is talent. And you know what? Look at you, you know, you took eight years off. But no matter how I call it, you've been doing this game for 20 years. And you're very knowledgeable and you're very smart. And between me and you, Felicia, you haven't even gotten started yet. All that shit that happened 10 years ago, that was the past. You haven't even gotten started yet. And that's the beauty about stand-up, that just when you think you're fucking down, it could, it could just change. It could just change by one set, one joke, one performance. And it's really weird the same thing happens in life. And that's what keeps you alive. You know, it keeps you alive as a comic. How many times have you had a bad week and gone through a shithole and destroyed? Oh, yeah, yeah, And you get yeah, in your car yeah, yeah. and nothing seems like nothing yeah, anymore. Yeah. And you even feel guilty. Like, you're like, well, my son's got the chicken pox. Fuck him. I killed whatever. You know what I'm trying <laughs> to say to you? True. But it's it does something true, yeah. to you. And yeah. to see Doug Stanhope the other night gave me hope in my career and gave me hope to live and gave me hope in a lot of people's career because you can't take something from... What's that expression that people use? No good deed goes on whatever, yeah, yeah. you know? And it's the same thing with comedy. No good joke goes unnoticed. If you put yeah. the fucking work yeah. in, Felicia, it's going to take you somewhere. And I want people... I've been getting a lot of emails lately from 
beginning comics and this is very important that you believe in what you do and you keep believing and you know what Felicia you've won comedy awards you've won star search so people still to today not kick you I've had you told five me a story at dinner about five some, developmental deals yeah, <laughs> you, know? you told me a story at dinner that somebody said you're too old for this game oh, and I, I went know. home and I was living yeah, I almost got my yeah. went down and hit him but I go what is that's one of those people that gets in your way but to you give know, you more fire it, he gave you, know, you more fire he did true, you a favor it's true because uh, the story and this is and I'm just going to say the story say is, it. <clears throat> I went to go photograph this is what like about a month before I was going to do comedy again and I was photographing Jimmy Schubert had a show and I was photographing that show and uh, and then I didn't know who Tommy was but someone told me oh that's Tommy because they knew I was thinking about trying that's to get that's a talent coordinator at the comedy yeah, store I don't mean to uh, interrupt Felicia yeah, I just yeah. want to let the people and, in uh, so I went up to Tommy who was in the booth and I was like hi my name is Felicia Michaels and uh, I, you know, I took eight years off but my name's on the outside of the building and I was wondering like I know I probably have to you know showcase absolutely to see if I can get back in the club but how do I go about that process and he kind of just told me uh, you know that we're all about the young talent here and uh, and you know I had my camera in my hand and and as he was saying this to me I was like oh shit he did not just say that to me and, and my and my faded picture is over my shoulder like of me like doing a little jig when I was like 22 and it was like fucking this is humiliating right but I didn't get mad I didn't get mad it was kind of fucked up but it did it gave me a little like bee in my bonnet where I was <laughs> as an old lady would say it's a bump in the road it has to fucking <laughs> motivate like, you Fuck that. and then I went and uh, that's why I uh, you know I'll always speak very kindly of Dante because Dante had at the Canoga Bowl this gig that was the shittiest gig on the planet in the bowling alley and that's where I got back on stage and I had to kind of get a little bit drunk every night and kind of try to do it and but then here's the roundabout story is I was at the comedy store on Sunday and I ran into him and I and I and I was like do I go talk to him do I try to you know in reintroduce myself and tell him what's been going on and as I walked and that was, that was kind of humiliating and as I walked up there he turned around he's very nice to me and shook my hand and like yeah you know hang around maybe after your belly room spot we'll throw you know uh, and uh, and that but I didn't do that I went to Dan Tanis and got drunk with my friend Wendy so <laughs> but so you know what I mean like you never know like someone could say something really terrible to you and maybe they're kind of you know that's how it's light the fire on you it's yeah, an angel yeah. I call them and angels now and then sometimes uh, those people uh, uh, will say the right thing or the nice thing you just never know you know something always fucking comes good or something sometimes you just have to find it and uh, it's and you hard. can't get so mad and be like, oh, no. fuck your mother. But you got to, for yourself, you got to use it for and yourself. And you, you're very intelligent. You sat back, you smiled, and you do your thing, and here we are. It was a great podcast with you people. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Yes, we appreciate our audience, by the way. Keep sending us the emails. Keep hitting us up on Facebook or Twitter. We'll get back to you. we got big things coming the next couple weeks, so just pay attention. I'll let you know what's cracking. Uh Felicia, what do you got to tell these savages? I'm going to tell them that have a great fucking week. Have a great week. Stay black. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Beauty and the Beast podcast.